0: Hi, welcome to Live in Law in LA. This is Aaron Bryan with my co-host, Shannon Egan and Jay turner We sit down today with Scott O'Connell, the chair of the litigation department in our firm, and talk with him about his experience in the practice of law and how he's seen it change and grow. So Scott, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are, things that stand out about your path to to where you are. To success. To success.
1: Well, let's see. I am a New Jersey native that found my way to the Northeast. I live north of Boston. I've been practicing law there since 1991. I'm a commercial litigator. I focus on class action defense and a lot of securities litigation. I do contests between business owners and that kind of thing. Okay. I've been with Nixon for about twenty years, and mm-hmm. during that time, I've served in a lot of different capacities and roles. Most currently, uh, I am the department head. I've got about three hundred and sixty some timekeepers in the group. <laughs> in all small of group, our yeah. Offices. yeah, it's quite a quite a big group, and uh, got a fabulous group of people based here in L.A. Love coming out here and spending time with them. And what have you
0: seen? So you've been in with Nixon. You've been a litigator the whole time. You're at Nixon. Um, I know the L.A. office has grown a lot in the last three or four years. Has Nixon grown in that 20 years? Have you seen a similar growth pattern nationally?
1: So Nixon probably at its highest was around 800 lawyers. Now we're around 600. So we're a little smaller than our highest number uh, in the past. But we've never wanted to be big for big sake. We wanted to be really good in areas that we chose to Focus on, and so over time, and as our focus Mm -hmm. has gotten really um, deliberate, we have gotten a little smaller. uh, But we really are good. Interesting. Yeah.
2: And so, did you always know that you wanted to be a lawyer? When did when did that moment happen when you decided to go to Mm -hmm. law school?
1: Uh, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer after freshman biology convinced me I could not be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of washed me out very quickly. I designs on becoming a veterinarian specifically, but that didn't work out. And uh, being argumentative difficult and and (laughs) seldom incapable of shutting my mouth and Irish, which means I love the sound of my own voice. Yeah. I think law was the next one. And a a litigator
2: at that, right? I mean, those are all litigator signs, not really transactional attorney signs. So I'm
1: uh, a big believer that there are two kinds of people. There are litigators and then there's everybody else. (laughs) Um, And you know which one you are pretty early on. And whenever I'm interviewing people and they say they don't really know what they want to do, I say you're not a litigator. That's right. (laughs) Uh, And there are just the people in the world, like you, Jade, who are put on the planet to put things together and create, (laughs) and then there are the rest of us that pull things apart. I remember (laughs) my
0: my dad's a litigator. I can remember as a kid thinking, what do business lawyers do? Like, I don't understand. Lawyers go to court. (laughs) They stand up. They argue. What what on earth are these other people who call themselves lawyers doing? So so
1: funny that you (laughs) say that. I'm going to tease my... Transactional brother, and it's okay. You come to the office, you get your cup of coffee, you walk to your desk, you sit down, you put the light on, push the computer button. What happens next? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: exactly. It's funny because I always wanted to be a lawyer, but I was like, I was definitely afraid of being in the courtroom. And then you go to law school and you have those people that are on moot court and they're doing all these things. I'm like, I'm just not. One of those folks, yeah, I'll you know, take a
3: journal or something like that. That's yeah. right. I, I
2: mean, I want to, when I public speak, I kind of want to throw up sometimes. Like, it's scary being, you know, in the court. The idea of being in a courtroom, you know, yeah. is scary.
1: It's not for everybody. Right. It yeah. really isn't. But then, you know, doing deals and putting things together isn't for everybody either. So That's thank true. God, you know, we've got you in the world and sure who are, <laughs> are doing things really well, but not so well so that the litigators have yeah. nothing to do. That's yeah, so.
3: right. Yeah. Enough to keep you working. mistake right? here and there. <laughs> yeah. So you always wanted to be a litigator, but you've ended up as department head here at nixon was that an end goal for you or was a straight path there something that you had set your sights on earlier did you kind of just end up there over time
1: yeah no no designs on on any of those roles just wanted to roll up my sleeves and do my fair share and over time got tasked to do other things and and just found my way to the current uh position And, you know, I think it's uh, a function of the fact that I had really good mentors, uh, trainers, people who took the time to invest in me, grow my talents such as they are, um, and help me to try and... And make a difference by being a leader in some fashion, helping uh, the next generation to grow, teaching me to be a teacher, yeah. uh, helping me uh, to identify the skills in the next generation of lawyers and really pay it forward. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. guess I see my role as uh, the bully pulpit to pay it forward for the next generation of owners of this institution or practitioners in the, in our trade. And it's an important right. profession and it's a journeyman kind of approach we learn as apprentices in, yeah. uh, with others and it's really incumbent upon all of us to take that very seriously and help train because people did that for us. And I'm sitting here because really great people took time and invested in me.
2: Now you talked about identifying those skills that make a great lawyer, right? And making sure that those skills are instilled in the younger generation. What are some of those skills? Like how do you write what skills does it take, right, to be mm. successful in this profession?
1: It's a really uh, fabulous question, and it probably changes from day to day with yeah. me in some respects. But some of the things that I really look for in people um, are intangibles a little bit. It's not let – me, let me say it this way. I really love someone with a fabulous attitude and a good work ethic. I can train for any skill or substance uh, with a person who has the right attitude and diligence and who – Really wants to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So I always prize that. If someone shows up with a fabulous work ethic, who's demonstrated the ability to climb uh, and conquer mountains, hills, challenges, whatever they had in their life, uh, that's somebody I want to work with. And yeah. if, even if it's a major investment in teaching them things because they don't come fully formed, that's okay. Being a great writer, that's the most important thing, too. Yeah. One, one thing I do ask, uh, or when I talk to people who are thinking about law school, Uh, my kids most recently uh, were thinking about this and they're in college i said please teach yourself to write really challenge yourself there i Mm -hmm. didn't Mm -hmm. i came out of college a crappy writer and then went to law school or they made my writing worse right and then i came out uh into a large firm in the northeast and thank god um, someone took me aside and pulled me apart and rebuilt me yeah and i don't think you know given the cost of law school and the the job market, such as it is, people have that luxury. So you got to right. really challenge yourself earlier on, get those skills uh, in hand, and make sure that when you, you show up the first day of work, you know, you're know, you really comfortable with your voice as a writer. I know
2: my dad's a criminal, uh, he's retired now, but he was a criminal defense attorney, but he was doing appellate work. And growing up, he kind of just was hounded me on my writing. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point I, I would go and I would cry to my mom <laughs> and I was like, Dad is just so mean because he said that if you want to be a lawyer, the most important skill is to be a writer. And he actually mm-hmm. we hired a tutor, um it was a you know a community college professor who would just rip my writing to shreds. Huh. You know, it it's painful. It's
1: painful maybe you that's know, why it's become a skin, litigator. Though. Well you <laughs> I, I, that's a gift from your dad. That's a great legacy <laughs> he gave. you was painful as it was, but you've had a nice thick skin as a consequence. Yeah, so.
2: yeah exactly. Yeah. Well that's I think
0: and reading something that's well-written is, is such a joy, and it doesn't happen all that often. I think as lawyers, we aren't naturally good at writing, um, whether it's we get caught up in trying to sound too smart or sound too sophisticated. But being able to capture everything you need to to make your argument, but doing it in plain language that someone can understand without being an expert. I think pulling that all together is, is really an amazing and it's hard. I mean, it's hard for lawyers. I think it's hard probably for anyone to be a good writer, but um, when you can, it's, it's really nice to read and,
1: you know you, you're right about that simple declarative sentences is the way to go uh, we're storytellers at yep. the end of the day I guess why I'm attracted to being a trial lawyer and uh, telling people stories is is exactly that you're're you're, you're amplifying you're you're alliterating the the story of somebody who's got a problem and And that's fun. I mean, just it's it's great to wake up every day, learn um, a new area or about a new client, and, and then be their champion and tell their story. Yeah, and it's just that basic.
0: Have you seen it change much? You've been doing this almost 30 years now, and storytelling is is always going to be a part of trial practice, but have you seen the change of, or the practice of law change much?
1: Yeah, it's changed in a lot of ways. First, it used to be very geographically focused. When I first started practicing, you were admitted in a state and you seldom went anywhere else. That's just not true anymore. A lot of us travel and have national uh, practices because we've got clients who have very specialized needs they invest in us and they send us on the road so you can be in California or you can be in Boston or Florida on any given day and that's radically different Um, what you do in the courtroom is also very different Mm -hmm. the uh, way we tell stories we have to use visuals we have to be mindful that we have a, a Twitter uh culture in our world mm-hmm. 140 characters whatever it is now I know it's gotten l- larger than that you have to you know play to that attention span you've got to make things bite size and and you've got to make it you know, multimedia you really have to keep people's attention as part of your storytelling and that's how you get you know really good emphasis and traction and really develop credibility with your audience mm-hmm. and if they're interested in paying attention then you're doing your job mm-hmm.
3: And over the course of your career, have you seen the expectation for associates change as well? Because I know it's, you know, some of the jobs that maybe associates were doing before aren't being done by associates now, and the nature of the work is changing a little bit. So, uh, from your perspective, is there something apart from you know being a great writer uh, that an associate can do, and that should they should expect to be their role, particularly in a more junior position?
1: Well, things have changed. Expectations have changed. I think that we. Rely on technology in ways that that simplify the leverage. You don't know, mm-hmm. need as many bodies to do some of the things right. that we we do currently. So that's an opportunity. It allows the the current individual to step into higher responsibility. I think that's one difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I was a new lawyer, uh, we would have uh, just armies of people working on large cases, and it was all paper all mm-hmm. the time. We were you know looking doing due diligence and things. Um, in warehouses of, of, of paper, and that's <laughs> not what we do anymore. That, it's, it's a virtual warehouse. It's all electronic, and it can be equally challenging to get through it all. But I think uh, as far as expectations go, no. I mean, we I think the standard when I came out of law school was be prepared, be prepared, be prepared, mm-hmm. uh, and be excellent all the time and always do your best work. That hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I think um, the attitude of people who... Uh, came to the law when I did in 91 is different than what you know how people come out of law school today. I think more people view this as an opportunity for great experience on a journey that may take them in many different mm-hmm. directions. And uh, you know, many people talk about differences among the generations. That's one that's really noticeable to me. Most of us came out sort of thinking about the trajectory that would take us into our career and if it was law that's what you did or medicine or something else. But I think recent graduates and again my kids are examples of this. Uh, they're They've got plans on reinventing themselves many times. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: Um, now, you said be prepared, be prepared, be excellent, right? And then, I mean, isn't it also, and business develop a little bit there? Is that the same? I know for transactional attorneys, we feel a lot of pressure to, you know, hit the streets, go out there, drum up business. Um, is it the same for litigators? Oh, sure.
1: Uh, that is one difference from the practice of law from mm-hmm. a long time ago. I and mean, we, we are much more focused on sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. It it had a very um, professional tone, and uh, it was really lowbrow behavior to go out and ask for work when I started. And boy, has that changed. And and some of the first things we teach new people is, you know, we want you to be comfortable, you know, uh, knowing your narrative, how you can help people, pitching, uh, pitching for opportunities to help people, and that's okay. And I know there's a generation of lawyers that are they're flipping around in their graves thinking that that's right. what we're teaching new lawyers <laughs> now. But that's just part of the world. We, we have right. to be business savvy. We are, we are a profession first, but we have to keep the lights on. That's right. And right. that means we have to figure out a business model that's going to work. And we do things. We do a lot of uh, business in many different ways. So there's not one size fits all, certainly not at Nixon Peabody. Uh, so we are always looking for a new way to innovate a relationship with a client. And that often involves you know, how we get compensated to.
3: And I've heard so much as a junior associate that your partners are your client, right? Mm-hmm. And that what you can do is make yourself available to partners. But from your perspective as a department head, I think, at least from you know being a second year associate, that seems really, um, really unapproachable on some level mm-hmm. because you know you're so advanced in your career. And so, to what extent is it appropriate for someone who's really junior to be reaching out to you? And in what capacity could they make themselves available to you or known to you in a way that? they're not burdening you with you know an inbox that's that's already very difficult to manage i imagine you know
1: well uh, my view is our job is to be available okay and the door is always open in my office it's not uh sometimes there's a line and sometimes Mm -hmm. you gotta wait but Mm -hmm. the point is when you're uh in need of direction when you need some type of assistance that's what we're here to provide and i uh try and underscore that all the time, and make sure that you know when I'm visiting an office, I'm just popping in on other people, making them have an open door policy, and and I hope that makes the point that I'm accessible and reachable, and one of them, and I'm here to help the team, and I'm only successful in my role um, as as uh, our weakest link is, you know, mm-hmm. so I want everybody to recognize that we're here for support, and there's a net below them, and um, you know, I'm, I'm in the service of of them to make them better,
2: and so. Um, Does that just kind of look like, so an associate is um, maybe having a problem with the superior or, um, you know, junior associates having a problem with senior associate or maybe they're slow on hours, right? Is that the type of they can come to you and say, you know, what should sure. I do in the situation? Yeah. All the
1: above. Now, okay. If there's difficulty working with a, a personality in the department, absolutely come for it. It happens. We're a large institution, and, mm-hmm. and we're all human beings. And, That's right. And all human beings don't get along. So it just happens. Especially so, lawyers. Right. You know, <laughs> lawyers. Litigators, especially <laughs> litigators. Hey, watch it. Watch it over yeah, there.
3: Everything's going very smoothly. Yeah. It's the so nice. department. Yeah, that personal attack. Give you a paper cut.
1: <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm a believer too in making sure you marry people's passions with their career goals, and and that's not always possible. But to the extent we can marry um, a desire of a, an associate who wants to stick in the private practice of law with something they've just you know got a love for, that's right. that, that's the path for success.
2: I mean, that sounds so. I mean, that sounds great because I, I feel like a lot of times you start off at a big law firm, you're assigned to a practice group, right? And the practice group is going great, but you have a little bit of interest in something else, and you're don't know how to kind of dive in and mm-hmm. go there. And I feel like the biggest perk of being in a law firm, I know what I was attracted to was that there were so many different practice areas right. and I could go next door and talk to someone about real estate. I could go next door and talk to someone about IP, right? I mean, that's, that's so amazing, right? Cause normally you'd have to call someone up and they might charge you for their time, but I could just go next door and, you know, the more
1: experiences <laughs> you have in different areas, the better lawyer you'll be. Yeah. And, yeah. and it helps you make a really good decision about where you want to go and what you want to do. And and those things aren't easy choices. I mean, that's the hardest thing I've had to do. When I grow up, what am I going to be? I'm still trying to figure <laughs> yeah. that out. And Yay, you know, I love that. I, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm going to have an answer anytime, Mom. I yeah. promise <laughs> yeah. you. I know what I'm going to be. So it's uh, it's a tough thing. And I, I think you know what uh, I think is really challenging for younger lawyers now is we probably put them in a box way before they're ready. Yep. We certainly do that. We make that a threshold choice between transactional work or litigation, right. and then mm-hmm. you've got to find your way. And back to your question, Aaron, about you know how do you succeed? I mean, a, a lot of people who come out with large debt have this overarching uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. doom and gloom associated yeah. with this, and so there's this stress about how do I be successful? And I think the point is you recognize your your internal market you know, is your is your client base, and at some point you'll have an external client base. You have to be self-aware. Do the best job you can. Mm -hmm. Learn from every opportunity. Don't consider criticism anything other than a sign of affection and love, really, because someone cares enough to try and make you better. Back to your point about your dad being just a, a terrible grader of your writing. That that is a gift of love. Right? Yeah. I yeah. tell you that. Every little bit of red ink on that paper was uh, him telling you, you how much he loved yeah. you. So, <laughs> red means love. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm going to use that one next time I really edit a paper. That right. means That's love.
0: Right. I do this because I love you. Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, I know you have to head out for a flight. Um, just really appreciate you coming in and sharing these
1: thoughts with us. Thank you for your time. Thank yeah, you. Enjoyed it. Yeah, time. Thank you. This has been To Live in Law in L.A. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Nixon Peabody LLP and should not be construed as legal advice. This podcast is not intended to create a lawyer-client relationship, and listeners should not act upon anything expressed without seeking professional counsel. This podcast may constitute attorney advertising under various state ethics rules, and prior results do not guarantee
3: a similar outcome.